You've got to be careful where you're walking around here this morning. Everybody's running around in 100 directions. You crash into people. and I think there's about 30 people running around in the yard out there, up and down the hill and, and carrying on. They come in, all the computers are, or something blew up here, and somebody said there's smoke, and then the, uh, that nobody can print anything, and so it's just kind of crazy, but uh, that's all right. We're going to have some fun anyways. Um, one of the neat things about coaching is that at the end of the year, they, uh, they have a, like an awards thing, and all the kids show up, and and uh, you give out the awards, and, you know, it was a great season, and we worked hard. And, and every once in a while, kids will give you a, a little gift. Some, sometimes. They used to give out really nice gifts back in the day. Now you're lucky to get a, you know, hey, thanks. And that's about all you get these days. And, but uh, one year, a coach I know got a thank you card with a note in it from a kid on the team and the, the card mentioned how thankful the player was to have a great coach help him out. And he finished by, by writing on her, I think you're one of the really great coaches of all time. And the coach, of course, you know, <laughs> you know why? Woody Hayes, you got me, you got Belichick. You got... Later that day, he showed the note to his wife. She asked, you know, who, who is this player that gave you this card? And the coach says, well, he's a very intelligent young man who admires and loves great coaching. And he then asked his wife, you know, how many great coaches do you suppose there really are in the world? And she replied, one less than you think. <laughs> you know, I have to admit, I struggle with pride. I've, uh, I kind of admitted that to you a couple weeks ago. Pride's one of the things that I've always struggled with. And, uh, you know, honestly, I'm not too far off from that coach in that story. Luckily, I have other coaches around me and, and my family who are right there to put you back down to earth, which is good. But, you know, I love, I love being a winner. And I love, enjoy, I enjoy hearing about it, all right? Uh, Jimmy and I walked, we had a game the other night, and we beat can't beat Northridge, and we were coming to, man, I love winning, that was fun, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe it's because normally Graham's pretty bad, so when we actually win a game, it's really refreshing, you know, I don't care what level it is, but but I want to talk to you about something to, uh, today that, you know, I don't have any mastery over myself, and that's pride, I'm going to talk about pride a little bit today, you know, so what is pride? And I got to thinking about that and, you know, being, you know, is, is it wrong to be proud of things? Like, you know, I worked hard all these years and I retired and I, I raised a family. Is it wrong to be proud of that? I don't know. It becomes wrong when, when, when pride comes in and we begin to act arrogantly. We begin to have a, a high opinion of ourselves. Self-conceit, they call it. You kind of stuck up. We all know people that by their actions, you might nominate them as being prideful people. But you've got to be careful because pride shows up even in the lives of, of everybody. Sometimes we don't even realize it. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, there are a lot of sins out there that we don't 
really attribute to pride. For example, when one cheats, you know, what he's saying is, you're not going to catch me. I'm too clever for you. I get kids in class that want to cheat. You can't catch me. I had one kid one year, he, uh, he stole his, one of his best friends, he stole his project, and he wrote his name on a little piece of paper, and it was, a, it was a, like a big poster thing, and he glued his name right over his friend's name, and he turned it in. You know, I'm going through the posters, I'm like, yeah, there's one, there's one. And his friend saw that and was just mortified. He was like, that's my project. You know, so I'm like, all right. So I brought, bring the kid up, and I'm like, uh, is this your work? Yeah. Did you, you did all of this. Man, you must have put a lot of time into this. It looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I really worked on that. And I said, look, what's this down here? Look, the, the paper's kind of coming up. And so I very carefully peeled his name off. And there was the other kid's name, and I just went, I just looked at him, he just kind of went. And I'm like, is this your work? Yes. <laughs> Let me try again. Did you cheat on this? No, I did not cheat. I'm like, <laughs> you, you cheater, man. You, it's funny, you can, you can catch him red-handed. Like, I didn't cheat. I'm like, oh, please. Not only are you a cheater, you're a horrible liar on top of it, you know. So I rung him up. Sure enough, mom calls me and she's mad at me because I could have handled that differently. I'm like, I don't know how I could have handled that differently. <laughs> I, I caught your kid cheating. I called him out. He got a zero. <clears throat> I, you know. Pride again. Pride comes in there. When a person uh, is very competitive by nature, you know, com being competitive in the sense that you'll stop at nothing to make sure you're always on the winning side. You don't want to look inferior. You don't believe that if you lose, you can still learn something from that. Second place is first loser. You'll stop at nothing to make sure you're seen as the most important or the, the, the most intelligent, the prettiest person in the room, whatever. I remember a, an interview. Steve Spurrier was the coach. I detest that guy. I shouldn't say that as a, as a Christian, but he was, when I think of pride, I think of that guy. He was in a, an interview, and they asked him, well, why did this guy, uh, why did your cornerback screw up? He goes, I don't know. Let's ask his coach. He runs his assistant coach out there, and they're just ripping on him in front of the you know, camera and everything. The only reason he did that, he didn't want people to think he was the one who, who messed up. Unbelievable. People do that all the time. We'll throw people under the bus if it means that you know, we come out looking good. That's pride. A young woman went to her pastor and said, Pastor, I have a besetting sin, and I, I, I need your help. So she says, I come to church on Sunday, and I, I can't help thinking I'm the prettiest girl in the congregation. You know, I know I ought not to think that, but, but I can't help it. I want you to help me with it. And the pastor replied, you know, Mary, don't worry about it. In your case, it's not a sin. It's just a very horrible mistake. 
That's pride. It puts us in, in positions where we, you know, we get ourselves into, into trouble. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs has a lot to say about pride. And when I was a kid, I read this for the first time. And so I always thought, you know, God's a God of love. He doesn't hate anything. It's, hating isn't something God does. And Well, Proverbs chapter 6, there's a section in here about uh, it's sort of a, uh, the speaker is speaking to his son, giving him wisdom, giving him some advice, okay? Uh, you know, my dad would sometimes give me advice, and I try to give my kids advice, and let's start with verse 1. My son, if you've become surety for your neighbor, have given a pledge for a stranger, if you've been snared with the words of your mouth, have been caught with the words of your mouth. Do this then, my son, and deliver yourself. Since you have come into the hand of your neighbor, go, humble yourself, and importune your neighbor. Basically, if you screwed up, go talk to the guy. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, O O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? How long are you going to be lazy? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. A worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil, who spreads strife. Therefore his calamity will come suddenly. Instantly he will be broken and there will be no healing. All of this sort of sets the stage for the next little part. He's, he's laid out six or seven ideas here that God hates, that he has set himself against. Verse 16, there are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife among brothers. God hates these things. You think about this. You look at this. You know, uh, verse 13, he winks with his eyes. Wink, wink. In that culture, wink, wink was kind of a, a signal to someone else that they were in on a deception. We still do that sometimes. I'm, I'm going to trick this guy here, you know. <laughs> or, you know, doo -doo -doo, you know, people do that sometimes. The deception. God hates that. He hates a lying tongue. Verse 12, the idea of a perverse mouth. Hands that shed blood. Hearts that devise wicked plans. False witnesses lying about your, your neighbor. 
and continually causing strife. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. We can continue and add to this. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Well, all of those things are evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. God can't put it any stronger than that. I hate those things. Pride and arrogance. The evil way for people to walk around on the earth and act like they're something special. That they are all that. That when in actuality human beings are sinful. God hates the pride or the sin of pride. He calls it evil. Now, he doesn't hate the prideful person, I don't think, but he hates the pride in that person. And that's important for us to, to understand because pride promotes self-sufficiency rather than God's sufficiency. I can do this myself. I can do this job. I don't need any help. I can coach this team. I don't need any help. I can pastor this church. I don't need any help. Pride is a, a sin. God calls it evil. So why is it that God feels so strongly about that? Because pride really brings in this idea of I want it my way. It's all about me. I'm going through life and you're, you're just part of my life. And our culture screams that at us all the time. It's all about you, 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 you. We live in a self-centered society. I see this more and more all the time with kids. Um, we've had a couple kids quit. Football team. It's not just Graham. I mean, a lot of schools, we talk to a lot of coaches in the area. They all deal with the same thing. Kids, they just quit. I'm not getting the ball. I quit. I'm not getting enough playing time. I quit. And the idea of sacrificing for a team, that is, is foreign to a lot of people. But it's not just the kids. Adults do it too. I feel disrespected. They didn't ask me. They should have asked me. I'm the one who was supposed to have done that. You know, uh, pride is a sin that, that continually is around us. And according to the scripture and the description there in, in Proverbs, surrounding sin is an argumentative spirit, the, the lying, the cheating that gets wrapped up before pride. Proverbs 16, verse 18, a very famous verse. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. I like how the message, uh, which is a translation, kind of put it. First pride, then the crash. <laughs> the bigger the ego, the bigger the fall. And we've seen that again and again. We see that with uh, celebrities, sports celebrities. You know, they're all that, and poof, you know, something happens and they're done. In the business world, Bernie Madoff, he was the man, he was the guy. He got caught. He's sitting in prison. Bill Cosby thought he was untouchable. He's still in, 
I guess his first phone call in prison, he called his wife and begged her, please open up the checkbook. I don't care what it takes. You've got to get me out of here. There's no getting out. Pride goes before destruction. We see this in the church. We make fun of the Catholic church and some of their problems with sexual sin. Well, let me tell you, the, the, the Protestant church is dealing with the same thing. There are many Christian leaders who have been accused, at least, of uh, very inappropriately dealing with women in their congregations. Some men have lost their jobs because of it. We've seen big churches fractured and broken apart. Because just like in any organization, even pastors, when they feel like they are above the people, when they are in charge, when they've got this and it's going great, you, you tend to start to feel like, I'm untouchable. And everything that I do, you can justify it. And God hasn't changed. Pride goes before the fall. That is why God hates it so much. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. I hope you have your Bibles. I, I get a little worried sometimes. I don't hear a lot of, see a lot of Bibles out there. Um, Luke chapter 18, there's a, a wonderful parable it kind of speaks to this idea of pride and how destructive it, it can really be. And let me just begin. Luke chapter 18, uh, verse, uh, let's see, we'll read 9 through 13 here. This is about a Pharisee and, and this other guy called a, my version calls it a publican. I don't know what a publican is. I know Republican, but I don't know what publican is. But anyways, I think it's a poor Poor person, somebody who really feels bad about what they did. Anyways, verse 9, and he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Be careful with that, looking down on other folks. You know, I'm, I might have it bad, but at least I ain't like that person. I ain't got it that bad. Well, anyways, Jesus says here in verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, the publican. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, God, I thank you. Thank you, God, that I'm not like these other people. All of these swindlers, the unjust, the adulterers, thank you, God, that I'm not like these, these black folks and I'm not like those gays out there and, and thank you, God, that I'm not like the, those those, those refugees, and thank you, God, that I'm not like those people, or even like this tax collector. Verse 12, I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. I open up my wallet for the church. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, I'm a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But he who exalts himself will be, he who humbles himself will be exalted. 
Yet in this parable, Jesus gives us the reason sort of for sharing this. You know, there are two, two characters here, and he's, he's obviously, you know, talking to some people. He hears a conversation, and this, you know, some people who think they're better than other people. And he says, let me tell you a story. And he goes into this story here, and you got the Pharisee and the tax collector. Two guys that couldn't be any more different. The Pharisee, a very pious person, you know, wants to keep according to the law, the whole thing. He's standing there thanking God, but he's not like, I'm, not, I'm so glad I'm not like these sinners. The tax collector in his eyes, and as well as probably everybody else's, I mean, he would have been a hated person. He knows he doesn't fit in. The only thing he can do is ask God for mercy. God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Now, it's not the, the tax collector, don't forget, he's probably done some pretty crooked things. Probably stole some money. He's done, he's, he's a sinner. But he knows that, and he's recognized that, and he's going to, wants to deal with that. The Pharisee compares himself with everyone else, and Thinks himself better than they are. Four times he mentions the word I. Thank God I'm not like that. I thank you. I'm not like that. I pay tithes. I fast. Me, me, me. I, I, I. Even though the tax collector was probably a pretty wealthy man, he didn't bring any of that to God. The only thing he had was a broken heart. I really believe that pride is one of the biggest factors that keeps people from giving their lives totally to God. It's pride that says, I don't really need God. I can make it on my own. You know, God will do anything to break pride in us. Look at verse 14 again. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself, will be humbled. He brings low the proud. It's not that God wants to make a spectacle out of a prideful person, but he wants them to see this is how it's supposed to be. Pride is a sin. So how do we recognize pride in our own life? I was thinking about that, and... You know, we could make a list a mile long of different things, but the key is this emphasis on I. If it's always about me, 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 you might take a step back and think, okay, how much of my time is centered around thinking about what's best for me? How much time do I think about other folks? Do I get the feeling when I show up that, you know, I'm... I'm super Christian. Look what I could do. Rather than, you know, I'm a sinner. I don't know why God would use somebody like me, but here I am, Lord. What's your prayer life like? We're not praying. We're not actively seeking God. We're not relying on God. We're not aware of, of our own needs for Him. There were a lot of needs. People spoke up in... Uh, in, in our uh, prayer time, there are some real needs out there. There are people we, we could be praying for. A critical spirit. 
You know, do you bring down others in order to lift yourself up? You know, that often points to an inflated sense of, of self. How do you respond to criticism? Nobody likes to be criticized. But through criticism comes growth. Can come growth if you humble yourself. Can you laugh at your mistakes? And I have to laugh or I'd cry <laughs> most of the time. Do you take responsibility for all of your successes, all of your accomplishments? Look what I've done. Your your financial prosperity. I'm you know man. I I saved. I got. I hit the. I the stock market. I'm so financially brilliant. You might have lost sight of God's graciousness. Your undeserved provision. Are you impatient about having to listen, to wait, to serve, to be anonymous? That's one thing I've, I really have tried to do the last few years is, uh, well, last 10 years or so, try to do things without being noticed. I don't want people to know that I'm the one that did it. That's an example that my grandfather used to set. He would just go do stuff for people. Nobody would ever know <laughs> who did it. And, he, and somebody finally figured out it was him, and he'd be like, well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and that's all he'd say, and, you know, he'd go on. I was, you know, man, they ought to give you an award, Grandpa. They ought to give you a medal for all the stuff you do. Well, eh, you don't care about that. Taught me how to deal with it. So what do you do if you got pride in your life? Well, of course, recognizing it's the first step. It doesn't mean that we should all go around pointing out prideful people. You're a prideful person. You're conceited. Just, just calling you out on that. Oh, that'll help you to grow. <laughs> You're going to lose friends over that if you, you go around doing that. But it is something we have to continually take a step back and look in our heart because pride is a sin. And it's something that God, he specifically says, he hates it. Not he just dislikes it or he tolerates it. He hates it. And he will cause the proud to be brought low. Pride goes before the fall. Recognize that and be ready to fight that every day. There's a uh, Christian sociologist. A lot of you probably are socio. What do you just, you know, anytime you hear ology, you just kind of go, Ugh. But he was, he's sort of a, to me, he was always a, by profession, he was a sociologist, but he was kind of a comedian, too. It was a guy by the name of Tony Campolo. Now, he hasn't done it. He may not even be alive anymore. I don't know. But Tony Campolo used to do a lot of work with kids. Uh, he looked for a lot of trends and things. And uh, he had this quote that I always remembered, and it's kind of morbid, but uh, I don't care. I'm going to say it. <laughs> you know, Tony Campolo said, if you ever start to feel proud... Just remember that soon after your body's been lowered into the grave, your family and friends are going to be eating potato salad and telling jokes. And you'll be history. So you could be uh, the richest man in the cemetery, but life's going to go on. 
You know, God enables us to stand against pride in our lives if we'll allow him. But it can only happen when we understand his grace, his mercy. And only then can we really begin to appreciate and understand the great sacrifice that, that Christ made for us. So think about that this week. Think about pride. It's something I have to struggle with all the time. And, uh, but by God's grace, I'm, I'm learning and I'm growing. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. And we thank you, God, for all of those who have humbled themselves to put this uh, car show on today. I pray that you know, everything that we do would be to your glory and the funds would be used for, this, uh, for the youth of this church. And God, I thank you for everyone who's put so much time and effort into this. Help us to remember that it's for you, God, that we, we do these things. And we give you glory and thanks. In the name of Jesus, amen. You guys have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday.